And so a process of discovery can be enough of an anchor to allow for chaos to sort of occur around you, but you still feel anchored enough that you're able to act, that you're able to create, that you're able to move. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Your Badass Journey podcast. I wanted to bring a guest to you that is dedicating her time, her energy, her career, her business to helping companies and individuals find fulfillment in what they do and the businesses that they're building. So, of course, I had to have her on on the show because we are so aligned, not only in our mission of helping people find fulfillment in what they're doing, but also our strategy on assisting our clients in becoming more nimble and agile in how they respond to what is going on in our working world today. Alicia Bate is an entrepreneur, future forward strategist, and creator of The Future of Now. She partners with organizations that range in size from Fortune 500 to early stage startups to help leaders make sense of the ever-growing disruption in our world. She helps them channel that disruption into tangible results by leveraging her methods and her perspective on what it means to be in the now. As a strategist and entrepreneur, she has worked with Partners like PricewaterhouseCoopers, Unigroup, Verizon, University of Arizona, and University of Cincinnati. She's a sought-after speaker and facilitator with a dynamic and engaging style who has led from the front of the room of Deloitte, VRBO, SHRM, Stanford, and the University of Chicago, amongst others. She also has a freaking TED Talk, a TEDx Talk. Do you know how... Challenging it is to get up on that stage and present. Well, not for Alicia. She did a talk called Pioneering the Future of Work that definitely had a lasting effect on its viewers and audience. She was also a former director of talent acquisition at Anheuser-Busch and InBev and vice president of human resources at Dow Jones and Company. So you can see she's highly accomplished, but what she is also very, very uh, dynamic in how she shares her methods of not waiting for the future to happen. Stop sitting and waiting and start knowing and doing today. We talk about the struggles on making sure companies have a strategy around inclusion and diversity and how to step into the career that you truly desire right now the best way to take advantage of the time we're in now, but also to prepare for what's to come. So I know you're going to enjoy today's conversation. You can connect with Alicia at her website, which is alaciaabate.com. That's 
E L A T I A A B A T E dot com. And she has some really cool guides for you guys to grab, but we'll be talking about that in the show. So let's jump into today's conversation. I will see you on the other side. Welcome everybody to today's episode. I'm beyond excited to bring you Alicia Abate. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I am beyond excited because what we are going to discuss today and the focus of your business, your career life, and your mission, you know, it shows up in all that you do around the future of work is so relevant today and it's so needed more than ever. I have my specific views and ways of how I've had to navigate helping companies really build their strategy around people mm-hmm. and human capital. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I would I I am honored actually to be able to share your perspective, your thoughts, your journey of how you got here with our listeners because I know that they can benefit from so much of what you share with you know, your network and in your talks and how you have built this business that let's just jump right in and share. How did you come from uh, where you were as a corporate exec in in HR, I believe, to now launching your own business all around the future of work? Can you share that journey with us a little bit? Yeah, of course. So uh, as you mentioned, up until about 7 years ago, I had spent most of my career in some way, shape or form recruiting, scouting, hiring, finding talent all over the world. I ran global recruiting for Anheuser-Busch InBev and then for Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal. And then I chose to leave um, Dow Jones. I was a VP of HR because initially because I was of the thousands of interviews I've done around the world. I got tired of meeting people who are interesting, wonderful, fabulous, creative, all things great, but not particularly engaged in the work that they were doing. So, and, you know, in the spirit of full transparency, I wasn't as engaged as I could have been in the work that I was doing. And so, yeah, right. And so, you know, in asking myself these questions, you know, what else might there be out there for me? I chose to leave the corporate world and then um, initially to solve for that problem, how might people find or create more fulfillment and work in the workplace? And spent a couple of years really focused on answering that both for individuals to create careers that are more fulfilling and companies to create spaces where people want to want to be. <laughs> and then I began to see these macro trends in the market that had me really wondering, um, what are we going to do with all the people? Or more importantly, what are all the people going to do as technology impacts our work and working world? So in January of 2017, I put everything that I own into storage, except for what fits into a carry-on suitcase, push my life to an extreme of uncertainty, to learn about the technologies that are creating impact, and then to learn from people who are masters at managing change, all to come up with answers to the question, how might we empower success in the face of great disruption? And so today, I spend most of my time working with organizations. It could be Fortune 500s. It could be large universities. They can be early stage startups, helping them understand what this future of work means, which is actually, it's not the future anymore. It's the present. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, What all this disruption means and more importantly, how they can channel that disruption into concrete results. And, And what's your definition of disruption? Just so our listeners can be super clear on what that means and how you define it. Yeah. So disruption for me means massive change, you know, not, not slight 
incremental change where it's like, oh, the, the tree grew three inches taller today. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking more like Chinese bamboo change where like four years, it doesn't look like anything. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's this massive shoot that comes out of the ground and it's this amazing plant. So we're talking about paradigm shifts in disruption, which means fundamentally that rules change. So when rules change, we've got to figure out brand new ways to do business, to think about work, to think about how we collaborate. And those are meaty challenges that for me personally are they're fun to work on. Yeah, I like it too, because it it's kind of a an indicator of evolution, right? When there's disruption, everybody has to at that massive scale, there's like an evolution that has to occur in order to create the new state of being, right? Like the the, the end result of that is just the new way of showing up today. Yes. Similar to like when we were in more of like the software being sent on a disk to the yes. load on our computer and like the dial-up mode of getting onto right online. And then now it's an all-access evolution of environments for us to be playing in today and working through and building on. Um, yeah. It's constantly changing, but it was so disruptive back then living through that. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And the, and although my what I've discovered is that although my entree into this conversation was through through the door of work, um, and you know I really have the fundamental belief that besides climate change, work is the aspect of our lives that impacts everybody. Every single person on the planet, in some way, shape, or form, is affected by their access to economic opportunities and education. And yeah. so this is one of those big challenges that. You know, if we get it right, and this is why I actually like the word crisis. So some people say we're in the middle of multiple crises right now, but crisis not as doom and gloom, but crisis as the turning point after which some outcome, good or bad, will unfold depending on the action that we take right now. And that's what's so exciting about this to me. Yeah. So you're like me where you you thrive in uncertainty. Yeah. 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 100%. Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm someone that created a whole conversation series called that. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, because it's something that when because I know you've also been trained and worked with Tony Robbins and yeah. learning, you know, our human needs and and how we show up in the world. It was, it was. I was one of the few, right? Like it's a lower percentage that actually thrives in uncertainty. Yeah. People, so I'm loving that I'm meeting another one, another person who can uh, flow with it and actually gets excited by it. Uh, because variety is something for me that uh, I always know that I'm going to learn something regardless of the result. That's yeah. where I find certainty is in the learning yes. of what's uncertain. Is that how you navigate it as well? Yes. there's, um, and, and I think that's something that you said there, I think is critical to pull out for people because a lot of... Uh, so much fear happens in the face of uncertainty and, and can happen in the face of uncertainty because it's unknown, it's unknowing. The things that we thought were true all of a sudden no longer are. And I, like you, so how do you create certainty in the midst of all that uncertainty? And I, like you, have come around to one of those things being how we learn. You know, there's something to learn, there's something to discover in this. And so a process of discovery can be enough of an anchor to allow for chaos to sort of occur around you, but you still feel anchored enough that you're able to act, that you're able to create, that you're able to move. What would you say your anchors are? 
So that, that process of learning and discovery is certainly one. So one of the key distinctions that I teach around the future of work and how, you know, how we create careers and strategies that help us thrive is we move away from being a sniper in our thinking and move over into being a scientist. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a sniper, and by the way, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So this is like, this is all learned in practice. Um, but you know, as a sniper, you have one bullet, one gun, one target. And if you miss that one shot, then you're toast. And so you fail and everything's all over. Whereas if you shift over into a scientist where it's all about discovery, you you might have some hypotheses about what you're going to find. You might have some ideas about what your desired outcomes are. But if you're willing to be open to discovering what you learn, then it removes that pressure. And it also allows you to dance with what is in a much more fluid fashion. So I am somebody who is a very faith full person or faith-driven person. Um, you know, for those who are strengths finder fans, my top one is what is it, whatever it is, like collaborator or something who just like understands that everything is connected and that there's some greater meaning to it all. So I, I lean into that a lot too. Mm-hmm. It's amazing because the the words that were coming up in my mind was faith. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and uh because a lot of people will be like, how do you have so much confidence? And I define confidence as faith in action, where yes. it it's still it's always this forward motion yes. that allows to give give you proof. Like scientists look for proof against a certain hypothesis, and then they go hypothesize on something else based on that proof, and it's continuum. Uh, and I think I think in this world we're living in today, like you said, you know, the future of work is now. It's been this way for a while. For many, in the disruption of you know when you're working from home or integrating a personal life with a work life or trying to leave a full time job, move into more entrepreneurial endeavors, or even just start to pursue what you're passionate about, just like you did seven years ago, and you went on this voyage of uncertainty to uh, really discover and share that journey with others. What are some of the the biggest wins you've had or the things that have excited you the most on taking that journey and stepping into the unknown for yourself that um, you can share with our listeners? Yeah, gosh, there's so much that's exciting about it. And one of... Because it does take a certain amount of courage. And the beautiful thing about that is that it's this is available to everybody. You know, it's not like it's something that, you know, those of us who have decided to make a switch like this or some like special corner of the market that, you know, only people who do X can do. This is available to everybody. Mm -hmm. And one of the exciting things, so as I left the corporate world and then was like, okay, how am I going to create something that's fulfilling for me that I can then share with other people? It created this whole framework and strategy about like, how how do we create careers that are more fulfilling? And why do most of us end up in careers that are, not fulfilling, <laughs> you know, sort of misery making mm-hmm. year after year. And one of the biggest, one of the distinctions that I discovered is a shift away from um, focusing on your, your career strategy or life strategy as a building block strategy. You know, what can I logically do with the things that I have and already know versus shifting over into a planting your flag strategy where you take a few steps back and you ask the questions, you know, what how do I want to use my life? What kind of impact do I want to have? 
Um, you know, what, what's the legacy that I want to leave? And then you align your skills, resources, and talents behind creating that. And er- early on, I discovered, early on in my entrepreneurial journey, I discovered Joseph Campbell. I think, mm. are you familiar with him? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought so too. So, but one of the things that he says is that people are not so much looking for the meaning of life as they're looking for the experience of being alive. And this journey is like, what's a big win? This journey has given me the experience of feeling and being alive. Yes. No other. So that's a win above all the other things. That is huge. And it must have felt invigorating too, like getting on the TEDx stage. And and because I saw that that's something you've also accomplished. What was what was that journey like navigating now your own self-learning? It was it seems like it was a few years after you embarked on all this life research you were doing. Yeah. How did that come about? How did your TEDx talk come about? Yeah, my TEDx talk came about because I decided to go on that journey in early 2017 with the one suitcase and and discovering how might we empower success in the face of massive uncertainty. And life is interesting. Somebody who, a a colleague of mine from years ago when I lived in Brazil, he was following my posts online and he said, hey, I just got the license for TEDx in Ogden our theme is untamed. Given that you're on this journey and doing this, you have to come and speak. Are you available? And I was like, absolutely. And so <laughs> that was that was a journey there. And that was the, the beginnings of really solidifying the foundation around sort of what is the strategy for thriving and disruption and beginning to communicate and share that with other people. So pioneering the future of work. And now that we are in the future of work, today. What are some of the struggles, obstacles, things you're seeing across the leaders and companies you're talking with that you have maybe some simple strategies that our our listeners could start asking internally to make the work environment more inclusive, uh, more nimble, more agile in it all? I'm curious what um, tips you might have or methods you might have that we could share with them. Yeah. So first and foremost, and I think probably to the great surprise of nobody <laughs> listening to this conversation, it lists it, it goes to mindset first. And a key distinction of mindset right now is between being a captive of your circumstances or a captain of your destiny. And the fundamental questions that drive those things. Now, captives are driven by why is this happening to me? I wish it were different. Uh, you know, why does the economy, why the outside, why all of these things external to me versus a captain was driven by given that we're here or given all of this, what do we want to create? And you know, there's an important structure in that question, which is we recognize where we are. And especially right now, like it sucks to lose your job. It is uncomfortable when we're managing kids from home and, you know, all of this stuff. So a lot of what's happening right now, it's, it's, it's gut-wrenching. It can be gut-wrenching to make a choice between my one's health and their paycheck, right? So it doesn't mean this is easy, but it, what it does is it, by recognizing where we are, we then get to construct a new pathway forward. And the second thing that I think comes up in a lot of the conversations that I'm having with leaders and you know, really looking at like, how do we build strategy in this moment? How do we keep people's eyes on a vision that's 
that's full of possibility instead of simply survival. And the distinction that, that I find very useful there is between being right and being resilient. And that, that goes back to that initial sniper and scientist kind of distinction that we're talking mm-hmm. about. So we, we want to create certainty right now. We want it because everything's uncertain. And, and, and if we can't create that certainty, at least not in the ways that we're used to, how might we be able to practice resilience so that, so that the resilience becomes the certainty? Yeah, I think it, I mean, those are great tips because um, what came to mind is, you know, first off, on the work life integration, because yeah. I, I never call it balance because that yeah. just means there's a big trade off. Yes. My listeners know this. I, I squash the word balance all the time because yes. nothing's long distance. It's not about time. being, right? It's not about being in balance, it's about being fully integrated. And Work-life integration is in, in high need right now and is, yeah. is the skill set to lean into in order to show up in all of you. And I think where the biggest discord happens or the conflict internally happens are for those people who you described earlier on in our conversation where maybe they just were not... Like the passion has been gone around their work and they were able to separate, I'll just show up for work and then go home and have my home life. Yeah. And now... There's this integration and demand of like, you got to work from home and make it all happen. And we might not as a company even know how to support you through it, but you have to get it done because in order for you to earn during this time, we need you to still get your job done. And I think the word grace comes up for me big time as, as we're talking here where it's, there still needs to be also room for communication and leaders need to be asking their team, well, how can we make it better? Or what do you need in order to make it easier for you to focus on work while you're at home? I was on a call earlier today, Alicia, with one of my clients. And it was a partner call. Been coaching uh, partners in the startup. And uh, one of the partners is literally sitting there feeding his you know, three-year-old yogurt while on the call, video call with me. And she was such a cutie little cherub that she was like in our meeting with us. But it's the grace we had to have in order to still get work done and still move things forward. We are now seeing more of the human side of who we are while we're integrating work and life. And it's just a very interesting dynamic that I think we just have to have a lot of grace around. And I think we also need to heighten our or increase our communication around too yeah. in order to feel more like captains yeah. navigating the ship versus captive to, oh my gosh, now my stress level is 10 times you know, in yeah. overwhelm because I can't handle it all. It is too much. And the giving yourself permission to maybe say that and the space to articulate it and not be in fear of loss but being in in empowerment of your voice. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful point, Corrine. And I wholeheartedly agree with you on like work-life balance is such a crock. And mm-hmm. it's always has been about and needed to be about work-life integration. And uh, because, uh, you know, as I mentioned, the this notion that work, that, that if we could be happy or unhappy in our working life, and think that we have a fulfilled life otherwise is bonkers. Because if most of us spend more than half of our waking hours doing work... Yeah, it's a five-sevenths of our life is generally yeah. at our work, yeah, or doing our job. 
Yeah, it's crazy. So, so then this integration piece comes in, and you know, as as leader, well, as, so leadership now becomes much more democratized. There is no cavalry coming to save us all. We are the cavalry, right. and so when we're thinking about our own leadership of ourselves, and then leadership in the in the circles where where we're present, one of the, this that di- distinction between being right and being resilient can't stress enough the importance of taking care of mental health during this time and the time moving forward, because our brains were literally not made to handle this much disruption on this constant of a basis, this consistent of a basis over time. Yeah. And self-care is, I, I talk about it all the time, mental care being the first cog in that wheel. Um, but being re- resilience also requires conditioning, right? Your body needs yes. to be conditioned to a strength that can handle the same thing over and over. That's the resilience piece, right? It's to yes. be getting through. The fulfillment factor, which is what I love talking about too, is that when you find the things that fill you up in when it comes to your self-care regimen, your mental health care, etc., you ha- like for in my opinion and this is how i coach my clients too you you have to do it first thing in your day so that you're filling your cup first before you're able to go serve everybody else yeah and when you're in a job you're working for someone else and their directives of you when you're an entrepreneur yes you are working for yourself and you maybe can manage your time but if you have that perfectionism that Alicia was talking about earlier, and she's a recovering perfectionist, you know that you will serve others and their demands of you before potentially hyper-focusing on yourself. Again, it'll result in a depletion by the end of the day, and your cup will not be full or satisfied on how you spend your time. So it's super important to find the rituals that fill you up from a physical, mental, and loving self way that self care routine what are some of yours alicia that that you make sure that happen for you every single day before you start serving other people yeah for me so i've actually constructed my schedule now so that um you know with extremely rare exceptions i don't meet with other people until noon eastern time as i'm in the eastern time zone it doesn't mean i'm not working but it means right. that, that first part of the day is blocked for me. Yep. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is in doing that, I, I practice yoga. I practice meditation. And I, will, I, I like to go on walks. So I'll exercise. And those things for me... And I always have music on. I dance a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. So those things for me fill me up, give me energy and help me to be what it's so that when I am with people, I am focused, I'm present. And I know that my house is taken care of. Yeah. That's awesome. We're very similar. Mine, mine is 11 AM, but <laughs> yours is 12. And I make sure that I do my routine also first thing in the morning. And, and it is, I'm meditative for my mind. I'm always sitting in gratitude. I do a daily forgiveness practice Mm -hmm. as well. I have um, body movement has to be a part of it. And also how I flow, like uh, the, I found that if I just listen to my body and how I flow through the morning also makes me feel more empowered throughout the day. And what that, what that looks like for me is 
if I know I have an 11 a.m. appointment, then I need to make sure that I'm truly ready and uh, in my work mindset almost an hour ahead. And so I plan for my routine to be finished and ready to go before that time. So I'm not feeling rushed. I find that when I'm feeling that time rushed and I'm I'm a a really good time management person. (laughs) Like I I know how to watch... From all my years of project management and delivery (laughs) and high intense environments, like to the minute I can get so much done. I found that that added a, an extra stress in my body and my energy. And I had to, to go more into flow on, on my readiness to engage with other people um, and without the pressure. And I'm actually loving not having to commute right now and loving that yeah. the future of work that's happening right now allows me that flexibility. It's one of the, the gifting, not having to rush to get on the train, to head into the city, to meet with my clients. And you know, pray that nothing gets delayed on my way yeah. to that meeting. You know, it's it's actually been quite freeing <laughs> to yeah. not have pressures. It is, you know, that's that's one of those things that you know, prior to the pandemic, when people look at designing what their default future is. So, in the classes that I will teach around career design, whether it's in company or in the classroom at places like Stanford, they. We, I have people design their most amazing life and then I have people design their default life. So it's essentially, if you change nothing about whatever's happening in your world, some future is going to unfold. And a commute, you know, you've got a two-hour commute every day for a week or three years, it's like, it's fine. But if you start to push that out over 20, 30 years, like it's days of your life that you that are evaporating into the ether that you could be using for something else. Yeah. It's so true. And and it's I think that is what this time that we're in is allowing people to assess. Mm-hmm. And those who are listening that maybe you're sitting in that question of, is this now the right time for change? Mm-hmm. Is it time to actually go after what I want? Do I have to sit here, continue to suffer? And really, I... I always like to bring everything present. And I think you're very similar, Alicia. It's like now is all we know. Yes. And so make it the best for now. <laughs> Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And that's all, that's all we can do. Anything else is an, an illusion, really. That's and, yeah. there's, and the exciting thing is that the future does get created in a whole series of compilations of now. So if, And there is no better time than the present to go for... You know, if, if you have that voice whispering in your ear saying, is this all there is? And believe me, by the way, if you are a company who has employees at home, you need to be worried about this. You've got thousands or hundreds of people at home wondering, why am I doing this? And if you are one of those people who is wondering, why am I doing this? Now is a great time to begin flexing those entrepreneurial skills because some, some data is saying already that it's possible that more than half of the US workforce never returns to a traditional job. Yeah. Well, and I think the definition of what traditional is 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 the antiquated system that now is is really being disrupted, yes. right? And the the new type of work that will be showing up requires a specific skill set that is. This is also the opportunity to go get those skills, right? Yeah. Like if you're if you're sitting and wondering what else you could be doing, learning something new is it's the best time to learn something new, learn a new skill. 
towards what it is that you're passionate about because I feel like that then gives you the leg up on the opportunity that you truly want to go after because now you have the expertise and the skills for it. Yeah. I mean, now is really the time to leverage if you're inside of an organization that has tuition reimbursement, now is the time to be leveraging those kinds of things. If you aren't and you're inside of an organization where you can get yourself on a strategic project that's in the area that you're interested in working in, now is the time to do that. And Kareem, you hit on a really great point about how that old model of career and how we think about our jobs is it's broken. It's gone. It was the ladder model, right? One, la- one track, one lane, one area of focus. And even if you didn't stay at the same company for 35 years to get the Rolex, you basically stayed in the same functional area. And the shift that we move over into, which is a concept that I created called the mosaic career, which is rooted in you know discovery of the things that you value the most. And then your professional life becomes an exercise, an exercising of those values and different facets of, of your life and your world. And so it brings you, first it brings you more fulfillment because then you, what you are working on and in and around is rooted in the things that you want to express most about yourself, the things that you value in the world. And then secondly, because you are anchored into just one expression of it, when disruption occurs, like we're sitting in right now, your options for creating employment, creating money, creating wealth increase. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it it is the foundation of all that I've ever created for myself was that desire of flexing all my muscles of what filled me up. And and so I think that's also what brings me certainty in in today's environment. I thrive in it because I have groomed myself to be multifaceted in figuring out what fills me up, you know, and 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 if this is the beginning of your journey and you're listening and trying to embark on a fulfilling work life, uh, fulfilling career choice, <laughs> right? Fulfilling <laughs> life in general, all uh, I can do is encourage you to at least go out and try and go and learn and go talk to the people who maybe are inspiring you to say, you know, and ask them the questions. What, what, what was their method? How did they get there? What did they have to learn and do to become more dynamic? And be able to be flexible in environments like today. I love that, Alicia. I have a question around inclusion because you know mm-hmm. now we're also sitting in the environment again, another antiquated system that I'm glad walls are coming down around and things are becoming more transparent that we still have a lot more work to do in the space of building inclusive environments. What are, because I know you go and you talk to companies and work with companies on strategies around inclusion. What are you finding and seeing are maybe some common themes? And how are you assisting your clients in, in raising the bar on inclusion and yeah. bringing in a more diverse skill set and background across their employees? Yeah. So in you know in the days and, and weeks since George Floyd's murder and the you know the, the subsequent social uprising, which is much needed, you know, is, is driving forward finally, I hope, true transformation, you know, at this moment in time. I think one of the biggest things is I'm talking with people and, and companies who are focused on creating, truly creating organizations that are diverse, equitable, and inclusive. First and foremost, if you're working remotely, this, 
This is the place to be paying attention to because whatever biases are in your organization are running really high risk of getting ingrained because you're no longer even physically present where you can actually see other human beings. So this is a place to place and space to be paying attention. If you... Uh, and, and creating true systemic change is not solely bringing in somebody to teach anti-racist behavior or do a workshop, although that's important if you haven't done it yet, right? But it's, right. it's really picking apart the structures of your organization and looking at things like, what is the balance of your procurement of your vendor list? Now, mm. how are you ensuring that minority-owned and, and uh, women-owned organizations are getting onto that vendor list? What are your recruiting processes look like? Who's involved in promotion and placement on special projects? And what processes do you have there to ensure that biases aren't? So it's helping people recognize that while you know, if baseline education around diversity, equity, and inclusion hasn't been done yet, like please take that step forward. And though it needs to go well beyond that if we're truly going to shift the systemic racism that's in the system. Yeah, I, I find that when as I'm working with my clients on on their people strategy, corporate culture, and you know the definition of human capital in their business, which does include the vendor selection, etc. What I find it and it seems to be missing, and I like to remind people of is you need a, a vision. What's the ultimate vision for what inclusive and equitable and you know diverse environment yeah. looks like in that culture because i believe and because i've been in this circle a long time i am someone from another culture i am a female i've i've fe- felt it seen it been there done that right like in, in the in all the sides of it and i believe that that's a missing piece for a lot of companies is the what's the vision like what is the ultimate because if we don't have the destination we're trying to get to, it is really hard to stay the course. And I think we've been hyper-reactionary, which is why results have been temporal, is that there isn't a consistency to drive against what an ultimate vision is. And if we just took that time to map out that ultimate vision of true inclusion and included, not just coming from the top down, but actually included the team, included employees of all levels to be part of that vision work, then I think there'll be longer legs around the effort behind it. Yeah, I really like what you say about clear definitions. You know, I, uh, I ran a cohort of entrepreneurs to help them as they think about their organizations become and be recession resilient. You know, how do we thrive in the face of disruption as this is continuing to unfold? And I invited a colleague of mine who's an expert in diversity, equity, and inclusion, Dr. Tanya Horton, to come in and talk to us specifically about entrepreneurship and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And how do you build a business from the ground up? Now, rather than having to retrofit diversity, equity, and inclusion, how do you start with it in your bones? And one of her key points to us, to the group, was this notion that you just mentioned of clearly defining what this means so that you actually have something to measure yourself against as opposed to saying, oh yeah, let's just be diverse. Yeah, sure, we're inclusive. But like, What does that actually mean to you in your organization and, how, and, and what does expression of that full inclusion look like? Yeah, 
I think that's a, a great question for um, leaders to start with in their organization. If they're unable to bring in outside assistance, is just to just to start defining it more clearly before being reactionary about it. Because I think sometimes the reactionary space and standing in that for too long, thinking like you can put a Band-Aid on this, has been part of the problem all these years. And as someone who has come up in it in, in the tech space, lived in several cities, you know, been exposed to all different companies, they're, it's common. It's still very common to have this as an issue um, where by now it should be solved. Like I'm, I'm at that point, Alicia, where I'm constantly like, like I hit my forehead. I'm like, still, like, still, this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, a, I'm just glad that you know there, there are people like you out there assisting all these companies and um, leaders in general and how to navigate it, but also at the individual level to say, to to like stand in your truth and really be able to navigate the life you want to have. Knowing that career is a big part of it and leadership is um, the most impactful stance to have, it's just really great that you create a space for people to dialogue on it and strategize on how to move forward through it. Well, that that's what I think the work is, at least from where I sit. You know, there's and especially immediately after George Floyd's murder, there was all this like, what do we post online and how do you make what's your statement and you know those, those kinds of things. And, and though, I think the work is in the work. <laughs> and, and so money where your mouth is, there's work to be done and there's action to be taken. And a lot of times it's going to be imperfect action, but it's better to do the taking than, than to not. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, if our listeners are wanting to learn more and have access to some of your teachings. What's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, to connect with me, you can find me at my website or my landing page, which will soon be a full website. It's elishaabate.com. And you can also follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Yeah, you guys need to follow Alicia on LinkedIn. And she's also always doing some really cool live talks um, to help the dialogue going, but to give you the tools and methods of thinking in order to break through career and business-wise. Before I close out today's conversation, and thank you so much for being on the show because I know it's going to gift so many people, I would love to gift you in return and ask, is there anything going on for you in your business, in your life that I can support you on that you'd like to dialogue on today? Sure. So I for what's front and center for me right now and from from where I sit it's like how the the I see what's here and what's coming meaning greater disruption is on the horizon and uh you know I sort of feel like sometimes like the the people in the audience who who know like what the plot of the movie is before the end not to say mm-hmm. the whole thing but it's like I can see this it's right here guys pay attention to it and everybody else is like no no what are you talking about like the chicken little mm-hmm. thing translating that into you know because future feels so far away yeah right? translating that into tangible you know today when when there's still so much going on in the midst of all of this chaos it's a constant dance for me so I'd be really curious 
Um, yeah, so I uh, I love that um, as a question because it's part of it is about how do you communicate urgency to pay attention now, and I think the way you have been doing it by holding the talks you've been doing and including people in thinking that now is the future has been a great step. Like that, I am witnessing that from just your activity that I get to part you know partake in and also witness. Mm-hmm. I would think that if you can think about the readiness uh, is the word that's coming up for me. Like, mm-hmm. are you ready? This is happening now and, and maybe less around future. Because yeah. like you said, future does feel so distant. And think more about right now, what are the top three things people need to start thinking about? Know for sure. Mm-hmm. And be able to navigate quickly when it changes, you know, in yeah. that kind of language, I think would draw more attention um, in the safety that people are looking for because you will give them the lifeboat if they come through your doors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's the, it's the attraction, right? That you're talking about is like, how do you wake them up to see it right now that they, if they focused on it now, it would be less painful later? How to prepare. And so painting that kind of picture might be something that is really your wheelhouse. It's the it's being prepared and knowing uh, and being more nimble, I would say, is is kind of your gifting. Mm-hmm. And so maybe talking more about that versus the nebulous um, future of work because <laughs> it puts it in right now, right? Yeah, it, it really does. And it's so interesting, you know, even companies who have approached me for the immediacy of future work, like what's the remote working strategy and how do we like what's the impact on greater society and what industries are going to be most. And it's so fascinating to me that the, the underlying assumption there is that it's still somewhere out out in you know future land as opposed to being here right now. And all of this stuff is actually unfolding. As we speak, well, if you think about it, Alicia, I know I know you've seen the cycles in in large corporations, just like I have. They have annual strategic processing, mm-hmm. right? Like, so everything that they're in the middle of right now, they planned for budget wise, and yeah. and and this is where I get my, and maybe you and I can dialogue on this on on your platform, but it's like. Human capital, the word capital around what people have done with with their people in their business and treating it as a bottom line financial transaction versus the skill set, performance, and true results-driven management, I think is why you'll have that panicked reaction right now is to, okay, we've done all the financials and we've had to cut all these people and there's been furloughs and our books look this way based on our budget planning. But where is the freaking people strategy? Like, yeah. where is the... And that, to me, that is a definition as part of inclusion as well. It's like, include the skill set, right? Include how, how are you going to... When this happens again, or for the next 12 months, it's going to feel this way. How are you going to make your team and yourself enjoy this ride every single day, regardless of what's happening outside? You know? Yeah. So if I, were, if I were to think about those conversations, for you, because I know how bold and truthful you are, is to really put the mirror up in front of these leaders and say, listen, I don't want to help you solve this temp- like with a Band-Aid. 
I want to help you with longevity and know that 12 months from now, you and your business will still be standing because you think about these things. And let's go through this strategic action plan versus this you know, finite acute care moment. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and I, I love what you say there because the stakes really are that high. The stakes yep. are, you know, w- will the business be around? Straight up, <laughs> you know, and I don't yeah. care that you've existed for the last 75 years or whatever. Like this, the, the factors at play in disruption are so great that, and, and the accelerated nature of their arrival is so fast. Yeah. The, the, the reality of exponential change, I think everybody for the first time has really felt what it means when, when the virus hit. Yeah. We understand clearly now what, what this dynamic of nothing, nothing, something, everything <laughs> feels yeah. like. Yeah. So all of those dynamics working in concert, um, you know, they, again, they can be channeled as amazing opportunity because disruption is simply opportunity that looks different than what we're used to. But it's being able to see that now as opposed to you know, when it's too late. Yeah. And also giving them the tools and the methods on always questioning. Yes. Like it, it, you, you, because when you start to question, you will learn something new, you'll shift it and you'll um, treat it. And, and it's the same as you're building your business and your brand and your attraction. Keep questioning, like keep sharing the questions you have uh, because that also will create the dialogue. Yeah. You know, even just the way you asked me this question. If you were to dialogue that way externally and say and and really show the fear you have of people not paying attention today because it could save on so much pain later or or give them the tools and the skill set to really thrive regardless of what's happening around, that is the the main attractor, I would say that people would want to know more about and want to engage with you because you're helping them solve it today for the so-called future, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Great question. Well, and thanks again for joining me today. I really appreciate you having on the show. And, and those of you listening, please connect with Alicia and, and go follow her, check her out, grab some of her guides on her site because I know it is such a great gift to have you in my network, but truly I know my listeners are going to feel gifted from our time together as well. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to be here. It's been an honor and a pleasure. I just, I've loved this conversation and I can't wait to see what unfolds from it. Thanks, Alicia. Wasn't that such a great episode? I know you got amazing takeaways from that. What I would love for you to do for me, if you can help me extend my reach, is go ahead and subscribe to the show so you get the latest notification and listen before anyone else. Also, if you could go ahead and post your review, your five-star review will help me get other people interested in this conversation and extend my reach of impact. Most of all, I would love for you to share this with your community. It means so much to me to have you as a listener and I would love to connect with you. So if you have any questions you would like me to answer on this show, go ahead and email hello at kareenwalsh.com 
and my team will make sure that I get your questions so we can get them answered on the show for you. Thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you on the next episode. 